Hello everyone, welcome back as we continue through the book of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 6. Uh, I'm sure you've probably already read through it, but chapter 6 verses 17 to the end of the chapter, which is 49. Um, special greeting and shout out to the church that meets in Lenore City. Hello everybody. Um, I'm, I've really enjoyed studying this section of scripture and I've been challenged and it's uh, rocked me to the bone. Uh, there's lots of things in here that I've learned um, that, I, you know, I don't know if I just never knew it or if it's just uh, fresh for me, but um, I, I hope to pass along some of the things that I learned and I hope it's encouraging and challenging to you. Um, I hope you know that uh, I've spent a little bit of time praying for um, you as, as a church, as a whole over there, um, and uh, praying specifically that um, the Spirit would work in our hearts as we um, go through this section of Scripture. There's so much here. Um, we could probably spend months uh, going through this, um, and, and it would not be wasted time. But uh, we'd like to go through the whole book of Luke in, in some sort of a timely manner. So because of that, we, we are going through vast amounts of Scripture. So uh, I hope to just highlight a few things um, and, uh, and give you something to think about and hope that you're encouraged um, and take some of um, Jesus' teaching and work to apply it to your life. Um, so just as a quick reminder, um, try, try to make observations about what we see, what we learn about Jesus or God. Um, keep that in mind. Also, what do we see and what do we learn about humanity? And, and uh, praying for you that, that God would bring something um, into your mind, uh, some sort of conviction or excitement to uh, look for at least one thing that you want to take from the teaching um, or, or from the section of scripture to apply to um, our life this week and work on applying. Um, and, and also um, to share that with others that, that they may pray for you and encourage you um, in that as, as we go together for the rest of this week. So uh, but one thing that was really um, stood out to me was this section really has a lot to do um, with Jesus's disciples. Jesus is reaching out to his disciples um, and he's teaching them what it means to be a follower of God. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus himself? Um, or another way of saying it, what does it mean and what's it going to look like to be an image bearer uh, like Jesus? And Jesus gives us so much here. And as, as is often true with the teachings of Jesus, a lot of this is unnatural uh, and it, it's counterintuitive. Um, and I really wanted to stay away from this word, but um, it, it, it really summed it up for me. Jesus' teaching was really radical of what he calls um, his disciples to do and to be like. Um, and, and radical meaning like just shaking to the foundation um, of, of our understanding um, and how we respond to situations and different um different scenarios we may find ourselves in as Christians. So um, you all know right before we got into this section, Jesus was praying, uh, verses 12 through 16. Uh, he's praying all night and then he gathers his disciples and then he, he uh, appoints 12 disciples. And then the next section starting in verse 17, which is where we're starting today, um, that Jesus goes to this level place and, and we see that he's um, healing people. Uh, he's, he's freeing them from their physical um, ailments and not only physical ailments, but their spiritual oppression ailments. Um, and so the first thing I'd like to highlight and just to uh, 
remind us all is Jesus' example is not only in preaching and teaching the truth, but also um, being pragmatic, being practically helpful in meeting needs. So we see that Jesus is healing people, um, caring for their spiritual oppression, um, and also uh, teaching the truth uh, about himself and about the kingdom of God. And that is an, uh, an example that's been set forth for us as disciples to follow. So that's kind of that section. Um, and I'd like to spend some time here in the Beatitudes. Uh, as you know, Beatitudes, another way of saying that is the blessings. Um, and so the, the first verse there in verse 20, Jesus lifted up his eyes on his disciples. So that's the context. He's speaking specifically to his disciples, and that's going to be true for this whole section to the end of the chapter. So we have to keep that in the back of our mind as we're going through this. Um, and I think that's going to be a helpful framework. So Jesus speaking to his disciples, the first thing he says is, blessed are you who are poor. Now, in my mind, this was a little bit confusing before I studied this because I didn't know exactly, is this talking about poor people in general, all people in all parts of the world, if you're if you are just generally economic and financially poor, that you are blessed, and the answer is no. Um, it's spe speaking specifically to his disciples. So if you are a disciple of Jesus and you find yourself um, at a, in a place of being economically and financially poor, Jesus says you are blessed. There's a reason for it, and he gives the reason: for yours is the kingdom of God. For all of these, Jesus is saying, hey, you're blessed and you're in this, you are blessed if you are in this situation and the reason is whatever. The first one is, blessed are you if you are poor financially, economically, there's a reason. You have a future hope of the kingdom of God. And if you are financially and economically poor, you may find yourself hungry. Next verse, blessed are you who are hungry. You might, you might find yourself uh, to be hungry, but Jesus says that you are blessed because you have a future that you can look forward to, for you shall be satisfied. There's going to be a time where you will no longer have hunger. And if you're poor and you are often hungry, it's very, very certain that you're going to have times of weeping. Blessed are you who weep, for you shall laugh in the future. And this is a next section, uh, or continuing that in verse 22. And he continues, he says, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they revile you, and they spur your name as evil. Here is, on account of the Son of Man. If people do this, if, if they are hating you, they're excluding you, they, they're maligning you, they're, they're reviling you, because, because you're following Jesus, here's a radical part. Verse 23, rejoice in that day. Now, I, I'm sure we're all familiar with this, but it's more, I don't know about you, but if, if someone talks harshly to me or, or someone, um, we're in a conversation and, and they, they, I don't know, maybe think I'm dumb because I follow Jesus, I'm not exactly excited. It can weigh heavy on me. And this has really been helpful for me to, to um to know how I should respond and prepare my heart for circumstances. Jesus himself says, rejoice in that day. And he continues, not only rejoice, but leap for joy. For behold, there's a reason for this. Your reward is great in heaven. Your reward is great in heaven. So when things happen like this and I'm reviled, 
um, which hasn't happened less times I can count on a hand probably. Um, I, I assure you I'm pr I've never rejoiced quite like this. And I've for sure have never leapt up for joy and excitement. Why? Because I didn't have a proper perspective. I wasn't looking to this future reward that I have. Now, I'd like to just kind of remind us what that reward might be in heaven. Um, and, and this verse I find to be very helpful. It's uh, Psalm 61, verse 11. And it states, In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Did you get that? So in your presence, in God's presence, where we have this future hope that we will be with God, there is fullness of joy. Not lacking of joy. We'll never have a dip of joy. And at your right hand, there will be pleasures forevermore. God himself is the great reward that we're very much looking forward to, being in his presence. And, uh, well, I'll just move on to the next section. So, again, this is for believers if you find yourself in these situations, um, you have a future hope on account of the Son of Man, and your reward is great because of this future relationship we get to have with God. But now here's the woes. And again, it's talking to disciples, people who are, who are calling themselves followers of Jesus. But woe to you if you're a follower of Jesus and you are rich. Now, this isn't just a, a, a blanket condemnation for anyone who, who may be rich. But it's more of a perspective of what they're doing with it. If you are rich and you are not using your riches uh, for purposefully um, the advancement of, of the gospel or on account of the Son of Man, I should probably say, if you're not having it used um, in the way that Jesus wants you to, if it's not on account of the Son of Man, well, what is your reward? Well, that is your reward. Whatever, whatever you've benefited from your riches, that is your consolation. You have received it. And if you are full now, you, you have eaten your fair share, and you are not having a proper perspective that God is the one who has given this to you, you're, you're maybe being gluttonous, whatever it may be. If you have this not proper perspective and it's not in line with following the, uh, the Son of Man, Jesus, well then, the woe to you is, you shall be hungry in the future. Same thing for you, if you're laughing now and having a good time, in a future you, you will be in a place of mourning and weeping. And be careful, if you have all these riches and you're full and you're laughing, having a good time, and so much so that you're sharing it abundantly with your friends and they're having a good time and they speak well of you, be careful. This is a common thing that has happened even as we go back to the fathers as they did to false prophets in the Old Testament. So your actions here are like the false prophets in the Old Testament. So be careful. Don't, don't be like this. Don't have a false perspective. Don't, um, don't find yourself calling, well, yeah, just don't find yourself in being in a position like this that is not focused on being a true disciple and living in a way that's um, on account of the Son of Man. And I, and I said earlier um, that Jesus calls his disciples to live in a radical way. And uh, maybe you all know this. I didn't know this. But um, when Jesus, in John 3.16, 3, um, it says, For God so loved the world. Right? Um, Jesus' actions, 
of love. That word love in the Greek is agape. I'm sure most of you are probably familiar with that word. It's this um, the self-sacrificial um, doing action um, word that connotates um, love in it. So that same type of love that Jesus had for us, the love in which he went to the cross and died for us, that agape love is the same word here in verse 27. But I say to you, love your enemies. Jesus is calling his disciples to agape love their enemies. In a similar way, obviously Jesus hasn't died yet, but we'll put this together in the future um, as, as the obviously... Um, the Gospels are written out, uh, that that same agape love that Jesus has for all of us, that we might have forgiveness of sins, he died for us, that's the same type of sacrificial love we're supposed to um, have for our enemies. I mean, that just blew my mind. I don't know. i can tell you the truth. There's people that, that I don't get along with. Uh, I, I'm not sure I would exactly call them enemies, but I'm not so inclined to even love them um, I know I'm supposed to love them, but um, I kind of want to love them at a, at a distance or, or maybe uh, not in such an active way. <laughs> but Jesus is saying radically love them. And, and he continues to talk about this, this radical way of living for his disciples. Um, he says, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Uh, to the one who strikes you on the cheek. I thought this was interesting. Um, being struck on the cheek is not like a, a slap, um, but think of like a full force punch. And that word cheek is is actually cheekbone right here. So it's a big hit to the cheek. When you get hit like that on account of the Son of Man, what are you called to do? And here it is. We're not to respond in defensiveness or in aggression, but the key is this type of non-defensive response, um, putting yourself in a vulnerable place of continuing to love in all these circumstances you might find yourself in, even if it means that you may be struck on the cheek again. So the, the, the following verses there in that section, I think just has to do with this idea of being vulnerable. As Christians, we're going to find ourselves um, being vulnerable. We're going to be giving generously um, because there's a reason for it, a future hope that we have, a future reward that, that we are promised, Jesus himself um, a, as the reward. So we are to um, not strike back, but we're all, uh, called to, to be vulnerable and, and continue to love so that we might find ourselves being in a position where they may hit us again. If they take away your your cloak, uh, your outer garments, well then you don't know, give them your, your, your t-shirt, whatever your inner garments are. Um, if someone's begging from you, you know, just give it to them. Don't withhold. For the one who takes away your goods, don't demand it back. Jesus continues, uh, and I'll just uh, say that the radicalness of what he calls his disciples to do um, is far beyond what society is willing to do. So society is willing to lend to those who can give back. Um, they are able to um, love those um, who are able to love them back. And that next section, starting at verse 32 to 36, that is the, the minimum bar that 
we as Christians are called to do. And Jesus far exceeds that by saying, yeah, you need to do that, but how much more you are called to be generous to those who don't deserve it. You are called to forgive those who don't deserve forgiveness. You are called to um, just just be this over-the-top idea um, to those, to others. And, and there's a reason for it, and he continues, and I'll just start at verse 35. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. Such an amazing idea or picture of being adopted into this um, family of Jesus and being given, and I'm getting emotional, this opportunity of being called the son or daughter of the king of the universe and he wants to have fellowship with you and this is what he calls his his disciples his children to do do these things and he continues for for <clears throat> wow for uh he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> i have to pause this sorry Okay, um, I don't know why I was just getting so emotional there, but but the idea is is that we were all, um, we've all been a place in our life of of being in a place against God. You know, we've all sinned against Him, and yet God is so kind and generous to us. Um, and I'm reminded of um, oh, is it uh, is it Romans five uh, five eight? But God demonstrates His his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners Christ died for us um, and and in Romans chapter 2 um, this really stood out to me um, this is verse 4 at the end of it end of that verse it says God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance and so when he calls his disciples to uh, live in this radical way I think it's it's because God <laughs> Um, sorry, he loves his people so. <laughs> sorry, y'all. Um, I had a, had a real moment there. Um, I, I, I've, I've been so overwhelmed. Um, with, with this. Um, right now, <clears throat> I'm not even sure what happened. I taught this. Um, on. On uh, the the day before, and it was not emotional at all, and, and this is really overwhelming for me. So sorry for the for the awkwardness, and um, but yeah, th this idea that, that Jesus loved us while we were still sinners, um, it, I don't know, it's just so overwhelming to me, and and because of that, um, uh, because of this kindness that that Jesus has for the ungrateful and the evil. And I think that when, when we do what Jesus is asking us to do, um, calling his disciples to, to be his image bearers, that, that we are a, um, a physical um, manifestation or, or physical expression um, of God's kindness that, that people can see and experience. Um, something I was <clears throat> thinking about um, was when when Stephen in, in the book of Acts he was he was taken to the high priest council or whatever because he was preaching the gospel and and uh, 
um, he was stoned to death, and and at the end of that, I think it's Acts, um, I think it's Acts eight, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't have it in my notes, but um, uh, seven, end of seven. Um, so he was stoned, and and as he was um, being being stoned to death, he goes. Verse 60, falling on his knees, and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He was praying for those who, who were persecuting him. Um, and then we all know that right after that is Saul, verse uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Saul approved of, of Stephen's execution. Um, and, and I think that... Um, that through Stephen's prayers and some of the other disciples, um, it's not shocking or surprising that that um, that that prayer would have been uh, uh, prayers for Saul, who was persecuting Christians and killing Christians, was included in their prayers, um, and then he eventually became a believer. Um, so we as disciples are called to live in a radical way to, to have this perspective of how much kindness and love that God has for us and how much kindness he has for the ungrateful and the evil. And he's calling us to be examples, his, uh, these vessels um, that people can see. Um, and, um, and I think it's with that in perspective, we go on to the next section that talks about uh, judge not. Um, verse 37 and I think that's often uh, a misquoted uh, verse by believers and unbelievers, uh, non-believers rather. Um, and it, the idea of not judging, it's simply don't look at another person in a negative light and, and trap them in this uh, limitation of of whatever don't be this judge and look at this person and weigh that weigh their actions and say well this person is this and therefore I'm I, this is my judgment that I'm casting on them and it's something that's binding and hindering um, if you were a poor Christian and you see a rich Christian that was uh, maybe living in in this uh, way of this lavish lifestyle you don't know their heart but it's easy to judge them possibly um, and maybe you would think, oh, you know, this person is not not um, not really saved, right? Um, and they'll never become a believer. Or w what about an enemy that's persecuting you? It'd be easy to look at a Saul and say that 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 person is too far gone. That they, they um, will never have forgiveness. All right. So don't cast judgment on people. Have God's hearts of kindness and and being ungrateful, not judging them. <laughs> not this idea of binding them don't bind them with these negative thoughts um but instead um, <clears throat> um what will happen if you do that then god will himself use that same manner um in judgment again sorry i'm still so like trying to get over this um yeah so don't judge and god is not going to use that judgment um, on you. We don't want God to look at us and say, hey, that person's too far gone. We want God's great judgment. And if you want to uh, learn more about God's judgment, um, just an easy place to go to would be Romans chapter 2. Right? We don't have to worry about judging people. God is the ultimate judge. He's going to take care of um, everything in his perfect will. Um, so don't judge, um, but it's not that you're not 
supposed to have accountability or, or spiritual discernment, right? A little bit later down, um, Jesus is telling them, hey, um, this log that's in your eye, um, be aware of it, uh, but don't be hypocritical um, and go to your brother and, and deal with their speck that's in their eye, speck of sin, before addressing your own sin. So you are called to look at each other and, and call out sin as is loving, um, but and Jesus is saying primarily here, make sure you understand you have sin first and you need to be working on your sin before you even think about going over to talk about your other sin of your brother. So so that we, we are called to um, have accountability and called to have spiritual discernment within the church. Um, I'm out of time, I'm a little bit over than what I was aiming for, so I'm going to try to just go through this a little bit quicker. Um, if you go into the next section, like that tree of life, I didn't mean to go section by section. It's just kind of how it unfolded. I'm sorry about that. Um, the uh, Out of the abundance of the heart, um, you're going to have fruit. Um, and um, this abundance of... Um, my computer. This abundance of, of uh, life that lives in us, which is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, is going to be flowing out with good fruit. It's not that we're supposed to be looking at like um, your minute-by-minute fruits, but just in general in the life of the Christian, what do you see um, in their life? And it's probably more for like self-examination. What are you seeing in your life? Um, and this last section, um, I'd like to spend a few minutes on it. Um, I think it's really important. Um, and Jared and I, we've, we've worked hard to try to encourage um, everyone in our churches um, that we don't want to be here and just listen to the words of Jesus and not apply them. And um, there's very real danger in that. And I think Jesus talks about that here in this next section. So remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And even under this umbrella of disciples, you can have um, someone who claims to be a follower of God and not really be um, a person who is saved or has a relationship with God. We know that to be true today, and that is still even true back then. And so when Jesus is saying, verse 46, Why do you call me Lord and Lord, um, and do not do what I tell you? This is a type of person that may have um, a, a false or fake um, walk with Jesus. They may be a fake disciple or false disciple. But it's also a big warning to us um, as Christians um, that we call Jesus, our Lord, Lord, but sometimes we don't do what he says. So um, here's a few things I'd like to point out to this, that the person that is um, like this, and he gives this parable, is like the person who, who um, the, the one who's doing the words, and uh, sorry, listening and applying and doing what, what Jesus says is like this man, here's the parable, who digs deep and builds a firm foundation, right? And when the tragedies and hardships of life uh, come in the, in the form of storms and, and floods, the house is not shaken, able to endure through the difficulties of life. But if you're the type of disciple that is not um, doing what Jesus says, and you're not building your house on a firm foundation. When the hardships of life and the floods of life and the difficulties and the storms come in, the house is immediately falls and the ruin of the house is great. At least, at the very least, the person loses the house in this imagery. But at worst, we don't want to find ourselves in a position where we might lose our life in terms of um, th this future hope that we could have with Jesus forever. This this Jesus as the living water. We don't want to lose this future hope that we could have in our life. 
So my encouragement is, is to you and to all of us here is to take this real serious. Um, when, when he, even if you're doing daily devotionals, if you're listening to a, a morning podcast, um, if you're reading through um, the Bible in a year, whatever it is, don't just read and listen and soak up without working to apply. A very active role. Really try hard. And I think there's, there's some serious warnings here. And I'd love to just encourage all of us, myself included in this, in working hard to applying the words of Jesus. So... Um, that was a lot, and what I'd like to do um, is uh, read this section because I think oftentimes it's hard to fit it in there. So I'm going to squeeze it in, in in this video for y'all. Okay, so join me as as we read Luke chapter uh, six, starting from verse 17. I'm going to read it a little fast here. <clears throat> and he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples, and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were in trouble, or who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowds sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, and so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your, your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. For your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For... With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He told the parable, Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eyes, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of that's in your eye, 
when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take out the log that is in your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of uh, his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But to the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on a ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and ruin of the house was great. As I read this, I'm reminded of all the things I wanted to say. Last thing, going back to verse 37 through 38, when it says, um, give and it will be given to you. So, um, the next section, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Let me tell you what that is. It's this idea of having, um, I'll use this as my visual. Um, so imagine that this was open and, and God is pouring our reward into this container and let's just call it sugar, right? So God's pouring the sugar. So God is pouring. And you know how when you pour sugar, it kind of builds into this pyramid and, and you want to like shake it a little bit to level it out so you can get more in there. So he's leveling it out, shaking it. And not only that, he's he's pressing it down. He's compacting it. And then he's pouring it to the point where it's overflowing. And then so much so that, that you're using your shirt or whatever you have here and you're trying to catch it all. That is the type um, of, of return that we expect from God. It's this overflowing abundance. So my encouragement is to you as disciples of Jesus, do what Jesus says, be a hearer, and there is a great reward that, that um, is, is for us, which namely is Jesus, in which we can have a relationship with him now, but also a future. So that's it. See you guys soon.